Hello and welcome to episode 179 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today's story takes place from Dundee in Scotland, where one man heavily fuelled by drugs left local residents injured, frightened and pretty astonished about what was happening just in front of their eyes. Before we begin, as always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon. A special thank you to the new members of this exclusive club, that is Jay Barnes, Vasco, Dimitrov, Casey Casey and Peter Donaldson. I really appreciate all your support and I hope you enjoy the bonus episodes and other exclusive content. I have some exciting Patreon news today. I've teamed up with Seeing Red the podcast and we now have a shared Patreon Facebook group which is a small, safe and intimate place to discuss all things true crime. So why not join us there? And while you're checking out Patreon, please head to my website, uktruecrime.com, read my latest article about crime in the lockdown. Let's take a quick look at the music we were listening to for today's story. Top of the UK chart was One Kiss by Calvin Harris and Dua Lipa. Drake was top of the US charts with Nice For What? And in Australia, top of the album charts was the Arctic Monkeys with Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. In the news this month, the Cambridge Analytica scandal was in the news. And of course, we were all waiting in excited anticipation for Harry and Meghan's wedding. What could possibly go wrong? And without this event, before the coronavirus, what would Piers Morgan have written and tweeted endlessly about? Intellectual Kanye West was widely criticised for saying slavery is a choice in an interview. Former Man United manager Alex Ferguson suffered a brain hemorrhage and was hospitalised. Horse-loving President Putin was sworn in as Russian president for another six years. The most popular names in the US were named as Emma for girls and Liam for boys. Again, no sign of Keith or Gary. Ex-professional footballer J. Lloyd Samuel was killed in a car fire at just 37. And in UK true crime news, a memorial service at Manchester Cathedral was held on the 22nd of May, along with a national minute's silence to mark the first anniversary of that most dreadful of events, the Manchester Arena attack. Did you get the date? It was May 2018. Dundee is Scotland's fourth largest city and the 51st most highly populated area in the UK. It lies by the North Sea on the north bank of the River Tay, around 35 miles northeast of Edinburgh. In Dundee on the 2nd of May 2018, the weather was fine, there was no chance of rain, it was a warmish day and not too much wind. A perfect day for three golfing buddies to enjoy a relaxing game, if there is such a thing as a relaxing game of golf that is. And so that afternoon, 61-year-olds Arthur Innes and Ian Martin and Matthew Waterson, 10 years their senior, were getting their clubs out of their cars, marvelling at the fortunate weather and anticipating a great afternoon's golf at the Caird Park Golf Course on the northern outskirts of Dundee. But not far away, in fact just down the road, there were very different scenes. As 45-year-old father of three, Joe Henry Brown, was having a very tricky afternoon. He'd been taking drugs for much of the day and was now increasingly acting erratically, behaving in a threatening and abusive manner in and outside of his home address in Graham Court, Dundee. In this busy residential area, people tried to ignore it, as you do, 
but then Brown raised the stakes significantly. He grabbed a chainsaw and ran towards residence at Main's Court, all the while aggressively shouting, swearing and wielding the chainsaw. People just scarpered for their lives. But from Main's Court, Brown then ran across the manicured grounds at the Caird Park golf course, half-naked, wearing only a pair of jeans and no shoes. Witnesses later described Brown's eyes as bulging out of his head as he ran, still holding the chainsaw tightly. Brown ran into the golf club car park where Arthur, Ian and Matthew were then ready for their late afternoon round of golf. Brown approached the terrified golfing buddies while smiling and saying, Madness is in the eyes. Madness is in the eyes. Ian and Matthew sensed what was happening and managed to back away just in time. But Arthur became trapped after getting wedged between two vehicles in the car park. Brown, shouting and swearing, then pulled the chainsaw cord, starting up the chainsaw motor. Is it the film The Chainsaw Massacre which prompts such fear of this piece of equipment? Or just the noise and the realisation that it's capable of causing such damage? And that noise pierced the quiet of the car park, and Brown wildly advanced, sending the blade slashing into Arthur, scraping it down the right side of his head. Arthur, quickly realising he was now fighting for his life, tried to protect himself, but as Brown continued to attack, he received further lacerations to his shoulder and arm as Brown lashed out again. Knowing he had to do something, and quickly, his survival instincts came to the fore, and Arthur turned to face his attacker, put his head down, and barged into him, forcing him backwards. It was a high-risk move, but it worked, as Brown threw the chainsaw on the car park floor, and ran off. Horrified witnesses at Brown's house and the golf club had called the emergency services, and police cars and ambulances were soon racing to Caird Park Golf Course, but Brown had moved on. Arthur was lucky. He was taken to Ninewells Hospital in Dundee with serious but not life-threatening injuries following the incident. He suffered a significant scar to his arm and another lesser scar to his head. He remained in hospital for just a day whilst receiving treatment for his wounds, but as you can imagine, doctors who treated him said he was lucky that the wounds were not deeper and much more significant. Meanwhile, back in Dundee that May day, it was a normal day for Callum Mackay, who was driving his bus on the nearby busy main road, Kingsway, as he had done so many times before, when the half-naked brown ran out onto the carriageway in front of him. Luckily, Callum managed to slam on his brakes, stopping less than a foot away from Brown, who rather than reacting with shock, just shouted at Callum and laughed hysterically at him. He ran off again and for the next hour, Brown couldn't be found anywhere as the police desperately searched for him before he could cause any more problems. But at 3.50pm, Brown approached 60-year-old Andrew Hay and said, I'm asking you for help. Andrew, who was on his mobile phone at the time, hadn't met Brown before, and before he could do or say anything, Brown began repeatedly striking Andrew with an activated taser stun gun disguised as a mobile phone, then attempting to punch him on the head before pushing him to the ground. Without another word, Brown then turned and ran off once more. Nearby, Michelle Hunter and her daughter Tara were thinking about what to prepare for dinner that evening, when Michelle was suddenly faced with Brown on her doorstep on Kingsway. 
Brown was mumbling and incoherent, and Michelle feared that he was having some sort of breakdown. Michelle called an ambulance, and Brown then collapsed. Whilst Michelle was on the phone, Brown came round again, and began to speak of how God hated him and made him do bad things. Brown then went on to confess to Michelle and Tara that he thought he had killed two people in the park and was asking if they were okay. He said, I'm a bad man. I attacked someone with a chainsaw on the golf course. Michelle relayed this news to the operator who said that the police would be there shortly. But Brown hadn't finished his mini confessional and he continued to ramble, saying he couldn't believe he had done it. Michelle and her daughter, who did not know whether Brown was telling the truth or not, kept Brown as calm as possible until the police arrived. Clearly during this period they had concerns for their own safety, as if what he had told them was true then he was a seriously dangerous man. He told the pair how he wanted to die, and at one stage he got up and tried to get up and get away saying he wanted to kill himself. But Michelle stopped him, fearing that if he left the house he'd be a danger not just to himself, but also to others. At one stage he even picked up a boulder that was beside him, and begged Michelle to hit him over the head with it and kill him so he could stop doing these bad things. It took around 25 minutes for the police to arrive, but it felt so much longer for Michelle and Tara. When the police arrived, Brown was contrite and he said, I didn't mean to do it, and immediately asked, have I badly hurt him? Brown then said, I want to stay on my knees and pray for the guy I hurt. If I've hurt someone, I won't live with myself. What happened next led Michelle later to complain to Police Scotland about the way the officers had reacted when they arrived at her house, saying, They came in all guns blazing, about 20 of them. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was like they thought they were on TV. They didn't apologise. They kept trying to justify it. But we felt in more danger because of them. Michelle went on to say that the officers piled onto Brown, pushing Michelle and Tara aside and damaging Tara's mobile phone. Tara says she managed to get an image on her phone of one officer grabbing her by the wrist and reaching for the device. Pava spray was used during the arrest. <laughs> it's a tricky one, isn't it? You can probably understand Michelle and Tara's view to an extent, but I think you can equally see why the police approached the situations they did when this was a man who already that day had randomly attacked with a chainsaw. Brown's home was searched following his arrest, and officers there found a cannabis farm 36 ecstasy tablets and 34 grams of cocaine. Brown appeared in private on petition at Dundee's Sheriff Court facing four charges. He made no plea during the private hearing and was remanded in custody. His trial began in October 2018 and in court Brown pleaded guilty to the assaults, attempted murder, being concerned in the supply of cannabis and possession of the other drugs. He gave not guilty pleas to charges of possessing a firearm and possessing tramadol and diazepam. These were accepted by the Crown. His QC, Renussi, told the court that the psychiatric reports that had been prepared concluded that most of his behaviour was attributed to his drugs misuse, in particular heavy cocaine use. He added that Brown had suffered a number of personal issues for the crimes, saying... He had a successful business that went into difficulty. There were problems in a relationship. He felt the strain and pressure was getting too much for him. The hearing was told that Brown then went down the route of self-medication. The QC continued that Brown himself had accepted it was 
luck more than judgments that Arthur was not more badly injured. He requested leniency from the judge, stating that this attack was committed under unusual circumstances. Things in Mr Brown's life had started to go wrong. The strain and pressure became too much for him and he turned to drugs, in particular cocaine. The drugs had affected him so badly that he became paranoid. It's perhaps credit to him, and this is the only credit, that he quickly came to his senses and immediately regretted what he had done. Mr Brown fully understands and accepts it's more luck than anything that the complainer was not more seriously injured had the attack continued. He'd approached other people seeking help and asked if the victims were okay. He quickly showed remorse. He quickly came to his senses and realised the enormity of it. He has shown considerable empathy. At the conclusion of the trial, Brown was handed eight years and three months in prison by Lord Matthews. He described the attack as like something out of a horror film. He said, This was a dreadful offence. It must have been unimaginable for the complainers. I take on board the background, but it's clear you have issues with consumption of drugs. I'm not going to take the chance that you may do this again. He also sentenced Brown to three sentences of eight months each for the assault on Mr Hay, threatening behaviour and growing cannabis in his property. He was given a further 12 months for supplying cannabis and all sentences were run concurrently. Arthur Innes told in an interview after the court case how before the attack he just put his boots away in the car when he heard this noise of an engine revving up. He said, I turned around and there was this guy there with no top on, no shoes and a chainsaw in his hand. My mate was only a few feet away from him and he started backing off. I thought it was a joke because it was all so surreal. Then after the attack he told how he had returned home the same night to be looked after by his partner and his stepdaughter. He said he was calm at first but later contemplated the real risk posed to his life by the incident. What he put me and my friends through that day was petrifying, he said. I will never forget the look on his face with his eyes popping out of his head. He could have cut my arm off, blinded me or even killed me. What I was wearing was ripped to shreds but there was hardly any blood because it was so clean a cut. The staff came out and took me inside to wait for the paramedics to take me to hospital. I was still pretty calm when I got home because it all happened so quickly, but I kept thinking that he could have caught me on the eye or the neck or even chopped my arm off. If I'd fallen, that would have been it, finished. That's what his intention was. Chief Inspector Nicole Russell said, It's hard to imagine how horrifying this must have been for Mr Innes and his friends, who had gone out that day to enjoy a game of golf. I hope today's sentence brings some comfort to them and I wish them well for the future. Brown was later given another jail term. He returned to the dock, this time at Dundee's Sheriff Court, to admit a charge of police assault two months before the chainsaw incident. Brown pleaded guilty at trial to attacking PC Fiona Hall at his home on March 22nd by punching her on the head. He also struggled violently with PC Hall and another PC, Leanne Boyack, during the same incident. Sheriff Tom Hughes sentenced Brown to nine months in prison to run concurrently to the eight-year sentence for his attack on Arthur Innes. And it seems that chainsaw attacks are much more common than we would like to think. Just in November last year on the Isle of Wight, 60-year-old Jonathan Stasiak, the trustee of a communal vegetable garden, was jailed for a minimum of 25 years after attacking a fellow project worker with a chainsaw and then strangling him to death. 
Chef Stasiuk had fallen out of his victim, 73-year-old Jerry White, a publican. After disagreements which in the cold light of day look incredibly trivial over money, the dumping of rubbish and the delivery of logs. But the attack itself was premeditated, with Stasiuk messaging friends saying, Tomorrow I go to war. And he actually mentioned using a chainsaw in the attack. It seemed that Stasiuk had actually worked for his victim Jerry White, but the relationship declined as he began to feel negative about a number of things, such as his partner being owed £25 by Jerry. The 16-acre wellness garden that the two were both trustees of in Lake near Shanklin also became an area of contention, as when rubbish appeared on the site, Stasiak thought that Jerry was abusing the garden by just using it as a dumping site. On the day of the murder, Stasiak attacked Jerry with a chainsaw from the garden clubhouse before strangling and smothering him, screaming, Die, bastard, die. After this attack, Stasiak called police and told the operator, I've just murdered someone. He told police where to find Jerry's body and said the murder happened 20 minutes earlier, explaining it as a result of a growing and festering dispute that had led to his actions on that day. Jailing him for life, the judge said that Stasiak had intended to cut off Jerry's legs with a chainsaw, but the device cut out, leading him to strangle his victim and then smother him to ensure he was dead. The judge said, You'd obsessed over your perceived, although relatively trivial grievances, that may not have any foundation whatsoever, to such an extent that you allowed them to build up into a form of hatred. And in Barnsley in Yorkshire, a dispute between two neighbours led first to a verbal altercation, a fist fight, and then one thug by the name of Stuart Palmer, later jailed for two years, tried to enter the house of the person he was arguing with with a chainsaw. There's a video, you can find it online, and luckily he was unable to enter. But if you watch the videos, you can hear the tempers rising all around, there were young children around crying and screaming. But what was it that made this Muppet Palmer think that a chainsaw was the right way to escalate this dispute? It's hard to understand, isn't it? And he is lucky he's facing just two years in prison, rather than a life sentence. I'll just give you one more example of a chainsaw attack, and that was in August 2011, when 24-year-old Dean Dinan took exception when he was told he was not allowed to smoke inside the Endike pub in Hull and returned with a chainsaw. Dinan, who had been on drink and drugs, came back to look for the man who had earlier asked him to leave for lighting a cigarette. On this occasion, luckily, he only managed to hurt one man's arm and the people in the pub fought back with barstools, kegs and porgies. One witness who was there at the time said, I ran, I did not look back. I could hear the chainsaw screaming behind me. I got the feeling he was right behind me. I fell over on the way out and got up and ran again. I thought if I'd been at the back of the crowd, I'd be dead. There was a kind of justice for some of the patrons at the bar as Dinan was caught after leaving the pub and attacked by his would-be victims. In court, he pleaded guilty to several charges, including causing grievous bodily harm and was sentenced to three years in prison. The judge said, This was a really horrendous incident. It must have been so frightening for people. The sound alone of one of these machines in that sort of space would terrify people, and it did terrify people. So what do you make of what we've heard today? What is it about the chainsaw that we find so terrifying? 
Is it from that film The Chainsaw Massacre all those years ago? Or is it just that noise, the vibrations and the knowledge of how easily these most powerful of tools can cause such serious damage? So why did Brown attack the three golfers? Why did he do this? Why did he pick up a chainsaw? As we hear so much on this podcast, is it just yet another case of Arthur and his buddies being at the wrong place at the wrong time? Yes, it must be. Absolutely. And despite whatever drugs he had taken, it is unclear what led him to act in the way he did. I wonder what was the catalyst and just what made him pick up the chainsaw of all things. I wonder now how his three children feel about their dad as he languishes in his prison cell as you listen to this podcast. It's a shame we can't know more about the trigger that day that caused him to act as he did. I wonder how you feel about him. Do you have sympathy as he was clearly suffering with some form of deterioration in his mental health? Or because it was drug related, do you feel no sympathy at all? I wonder. And what about the other cases I've mentioned about chainsaws being used as a weapon? I was astonished when searching to find so many cases, and there are plenty more I haven't spoken about today. I thought it would be highly unusual to use this weapon, but apparently not. It's just so hard for us to understand, isn't it? Just what would make someone choose a chainsaw as a tool to inflict damage on someone? It's hard to understand, and also deeply worrying. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. Please head to the Facebook group to discuss this story or any other aspects of UK true crime. We're almost at 28,000 members now. And to support the show, please head to Patreon to access all the bonus episodes. I think it's about 41 now. Other exclusive content. And of course, the new Patreon Facebook page. So that's all for me for today. So thank you so much again for listening. At least if you take your daily walk in the forest, there should be no one working on the trees using a chainsaw. Take that as some comfort from me during these difficult times. So until we speak again next week, take it easy. If at all possible, try not to use your exercise allowance to vandalise 5G masts. And most of all, stay classy.